podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. five-year plan extra podcast here at Wembley Stadium where Palace have lost 1-0 to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography for professional unique pho- uh, damn it for professional unique photography of weddings and more visit mirandajanephotography.co.uk and it's a journalist special pod this week because I've got a journalist from both sides here we've got Rob Warlow Palace reporter for the Quarant Advertiser how you doing mate? I'm not too bad yourself? I'm um, oh. Right, not too bad. And making his debut is Alistair Gold, who's the Spurs supporter for uh, Football.London, my esteemed colleague. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Um, so, OK, lads, so one nil win for Spurs here today. I'll go to you first, Alistair, because man of the match was Paolo Gazaniga, the stand-in Spurs goalkeeper. Is that the story of the match? If he's man of the match, does that pretty much tell you what happened today? Pretty much, and he surprised a lot of people, to be honest, as well. A lot of Spurs fans very pessimistic before the start, you know, had seen the horror shows on YouTube that people have shown of him, and uh, yeah, but actually, as a debut, apart from a couple of hairy moments, he was very good, pulled off some real top saves, and yeah, kept Spurs in it. Were you surprised by that, being the Spurs man? Have you seen much of him before? No, no, to be honest, as I say, I've kind of, most of my scouting's been done on YouTube as well. (laughs) I didn't see too much of him in Southampton when he played for them, but uh, no, he's good. He looked very assured, very calm. Um, he's a big lad, kind of cl- claimed everything from uh, crosses and set pieces, and bodes well, uh, especially with two other keepers out at the moment. And I suppose the best thing is there's a lot of Spurs fans over the summer that said, why are you buying a, a third keeper? We do not need a third goalkeeper. Mm. And literally, what, we about 10, 12 games in, it's already been proved exactly why. Because if he wasn't here, it would have been some kid who was on the bench. It was Alfie Whiteman on the bench, yes. Or possibly Harry Kane, you know, as he played so well <laughs> there before. Uh, no, he did very well. But yeah, it, it, as you say, it kind of summed up the game, really. Palace were very dangerous, especially on the counter. Was it Palace's best chance to win today, Rob? Given that there was no Lloris, we had, there was no Lloris or Vorm with, with Gazaniga in goal. There was no Alderweireld, there was no Deli Alley. I mean, obviously Spurs are still strong, but that's a good opportunity for Palace. Yeah, I think Spurs, this, this wasn't a vintage Spurs performance by any stretch of the imagination. I think you know, this actually probably showed Tottenham fans that there perhaps isn't as much strength as they perhaps thought this year in, in, their, in their lineup. I, I thought that Spurs probably just about, you know, say did enough. They, 
they had chances as well. It wasn't like it was all Palace one-way traffic. You know, it, it, I think Palace deserved a point out of the game, no doubt. But you know, I think Spurs did have their chances as well, and particularly obviously after they got the goal, Son had another chance, could, could and should have made it 2-0, really. Yeah. Palace had the chances before that. So, yeah, in you know, I think Palace will go away from here with positives about the performance, but again, no points. And in their position, points are what matters. Uh, Roy talked afterwards about trying to keep the confidence up, like trying to say to the players, each time you perform well, those points will come, like you'll deserve them. But that, that's very difficult when you're putting in performances like this and we're losing or we're only getting a point last week at the last minute we should have won. So is that Roy's biggest task, like keeping these players kind of believing they can get points because they are a good team? I think so. I mean, I think the, the performance levels have risen in the last few weeks. You know, I think there's, there's no doubt about that. The, the performance against Chelsea, you know, the... the, the as good as that was, everyone was saying you can't make that a one-off, you know. And I think they have shown, albeit in the second half last week. I didn't think the first half was great against West Ham, but the second half was much better today. And again, another solid performance. You know, away from home, the last two away games, they're coming away from both of them at Newcastle and Tottenham, thinking we should have got something. Yeah. And if you'd have said that six weeks ago, people would have probably laughed at you because yeah. they would have been saying no chance. Yeah. But you know, it, does that just, show the improvement that they have does. made under Roy? It does. It shows signs of improvement, and I think you have to look at it and say that yeah, Roy is having an impact. Roy and you know staff Ray Lewington, Stephen Reed, they are having an impact. And P- Palace are a lot harder to beat away from home. They're looking a lot more organised than they were, and you know they, they have got threats. I think once they've got everyone back fit again, which you know you, you hope, fingers crossed, that will happen, yeah. they're going to be. You know they're going to cause problems for teams because they're, they're causing problems at the moment just without that final killer touch. You know, in front of goal, if they if they had a striker, we could say that at Newcastle if Christian Menteke had played, then they might have got something. Yeah. If they had a striker today, who you know, this is not knocking Andros Townsend or Wilfred Zaha, who are doing good jobs in a position that's not really their you know natural position. Yeah. But I think if Palace had an out and out striker then, yeah, they they be getting points from these places. Well, we're hoping in the next game, Everton at home, we will have Benteke back, potentially. Alistair, was that, did Palace surprise you in any way today? Were you expecting that sort of performance from Palace or did they do anything extra that made you a little bit surprised, given their bad start to the season? Yeah, not so much surprised. Obviously, Spurs fans know all about Andrews Towns and they know what he's going to bring. Zaha, obviously, heavily linked with Spurs in years gone by and we know, obviously, there's so much pace in the team. I think with Spurs it was always going to be the kind of whole after the Lord's Mayor show, you know, could they come out after beating Madrid and keep a similar level? And maybe the surprise maybe the surprise was somewhere in there that kind of Spurs did in a way, but as 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 Rob said, you know, just I think from a Spurs perspective, if Palace had a striker, yeah, the game might have been put away in the first half, you know. Sonia did he missed a few what three chances or second two chances certainly after his goal um, but yeah I think Pochettino was quite clear in his press conference that Palace deserves something it was a very even game um, yeah I think maybe maybe the battling qualities at the back maybe that was the one thing that surprised me obviously you look at the goals that have been shipped kind of over the season so far but they do seem to be tightening up mm-hmm. um, and certainly today Harry Kane didn't really have a sniff at goal did he that I can think of. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe that made defensive quality surprise. Um, just on on sort of uh, talking points in the game early on, Mamadou Sakho sort of clashes with Gazaniga, and then it looks like they both sort of missed it. Replays show that maybe Gazaniga hit Sakho or got Sakho first for the ball. Is that a penalty for you? Because a lot of Palace fans thought that was a penalty. I, I must be honest. I'm going to do a do an Arsenal thing here. No, no, no. But I haven't watched the replay yet. But, but if that's Didn't see from the bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
No, but if that's the case, if he's taken him first, it probably it has to be a penalty then, really. Yeah. Well, what do you reckon? I didn't think Saka went for it for it with enough conviction. If I'm being honest, he almost got pulled out of it. He did almost. If if he'd have gone straight, you know, win all, win the ball at all costs, he could have got the header and scored anyway, regardless of being clattered or not. I don't know why he did, he sort of did seem to pull out of it a little bit. Maybe he saw Gazaniga coming, but it's one of those you you could see it given, but I don't think. And Roy did allude to this in his press conference. He wasn't livid that it wasn't. Yeah. So I think you can probably say. Yes, it, it might be one that the fans would, you know, anyone who was in the ground would be saying, you know, of a palace persuasion would be saying that was a penalty. But actually, if that had been at the other end, you could have probably been hoping, you know, Tottenham fans would have been probably thinking the same, but also probably wouldn't have been too dismayed if it hadn't been given. It's also one of those ones where it happened so early in the game that it's almost, sort of cliche, it's almost too early to give something like that, yeah. which obviously you shouldn't because if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those ones. Going back to, to Sacco again, though, Roy said that. His chance in the second half, where the ball sort of floats over to him and he takes a touch rather than sort of going first time in the box, was a better chance than the Wolf Zaha one when he rounds the keeper and, and, and rolls it past the post. I mean, that can't be true, can it? It's hard to argue that because, you know, Zaha had rounded the keeper yeah, and it was, it was a clear cut chance, really. But, um, you know, maybe that, you know, that's how, how Roy saw it. And fine, um, you know, who are we to. to go against what an experienced manager like Roy Hodgson says. Well, it is also literally our job to question him. So. Well, it is, yes, it is that, that's true. Uh, <laughs> no, for, for me, Zaha's was the better chance. Um, yes, he was. it was a, a tight angle, because by the time he'd taken it around Gazaniga, but, you know, uh, as I said to you before we started this pod, if, if Palace are to get points at these places, they're the chance they've got to stick away. Definitely, yeah. No, it, it, it is fine margins. If, if that had gone in... Palace could be could have been walking away with three points today. Yeah. As it is, it didn't go in. A few minutes later, Spurs got the other end of the score and Palace get nothing. Yeah, that's exactly what happened at Newcastle as yep. well. You get punished. And there was another moment, wasn't there, when um, I think Zaha could, just could have thrown himself at a header as well. And, he, mm. and you just think, oh, if that was a striker, that yeah. would have been in the back of the net. And I think that kind of sums that up at the moment. And you had Luka Milivojevic's header at the far post, which, again, Gazaniga saved. But, you know, it, that was... It almost in in real time it looked like it just hit him. Yeah. Whereas actually the slow mo replay did show he did properly go for the header. But you know, again, if that was a striker who you know, a bit more confidence in front of goal, I don't know, would that have gone in? Possibly. There, there are so many of those all nearly moments for Palace today. Yeah. It's just it's the same thing. It was coming back to the fact that they haven't got a striker on the pitch, and if they had, could they have won it? Do you, I mean, de- I mean oh, yes, I, I definitely think they would have done, or at least got a point if they had a striker. And it's very clear now that Roy will be urging the board to back him in January to get at least one striker, if not two. Um, I'm thinking of a Spurs striker, I guess attacking player, Son, who got the goal, who always seems to score against Palace for some reason. He seems to be sort of in and out of the Spurs team. Is he not, is he not a regular? Because he, he, he is... He's a good player. He's a good player, but he's not consistent enough, and that's his problem. And also, when Spurs play with a back three, essentially, on the whole, you're only going to have two slots behind Kane, and that's Ali and Eriksson. They are first choice every time. And unfortunately, Son was kind of highlighted today. Give him a second, he'll score a goal. Give him five seconds to think about it, and he'll miss it. And that's exactly, (laughs) unfortunately, Son's biggest issue. And he's a great, he's a really good player. He's... And it sounds awful to say from a kind of Spurs perspective, he's brilliant to have on the bench. But for him, that's not enough. And I do wonder whether we might see him move on this summer. Maybe to Palace. We need a striker. Oh, it'd be, it'd be quite expensive. He'd he be very good, though. Uh, yes. I'm not being serious about that. <laughs> no, I, I can't see it happening, I have to be honest. <laughs> OK, well, let's, uh, let's take a break and hear from Roy. This is what he said to reporters just now at Wembley after that defeat to Spurs. 
just to get a form, like, how did you see it? Are you disappointed then? What positives can you take out of that? <laughs> it's the classic question, isn't it? When you when you come in after seeing your team give the maximum, which I think we did, um, as you rightly say, uh, create chances and have moments in the game where we even got on top of our more illustrious opponents. When you get nothing from it and someone says, what positives can you take? I don't know how to answer it, really. Uh, we need points, really. Um, I'd have settled for playing much worse than we played and having a bit of good fortune where a ball deflects past the goalkeeper or the referee awards us a penalty which isn't a penalty I'd settle for that at the moment more than I'll settle for people trying to be relatively kind to me and the team by suggesting that we perhaps deserved a bit more than we actually got but I'm afraid in football my experiences you you get what you get, you know, you don't get what some people might think you deserve. So, positives, yes, if we go back in on, on, on to trading tomorrow, there'll be things I can say to the players, which I hope will, will, will cheer them up and keep them feeling a little bit better about themselves. But when we look at the table, we're still on four points and we're, we're getting further behind some of the teams who are just outside of the relegation zone and our task gets harder with every defeat. The first, the one in the first half where Ramana, yeah. I'm not sure, I haven't seen it. At the time when it happened, from that distance, what what is it? Sixty five, seventy metres I guess, where I'm standing, I of course want to shout for one. But I'd have to look at it very carefully to see if it really was one. Um, and I must say, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't livid about the lack of the penalty, which might suggest that the referee, who was in a much better position than I was, got it right. Well, Will played really well on that. And he had your clearest chance as well, didn't he? No, I think, well, he had a, he had a chance. He created himself with a fantastic run around in the goalkeeper, a good piece of work. I thought Mamadou, with the one we're just talking about for the penalty, that was possibly an even clearer chance. I think there were other occasions in the game when I was convinced that we might score here. Um, but, you know, in, in Wilf and in, and in Andros, we do have weapons. They aren't out-and-out centre-forwards, so we have to use them in the way we use them because neither of them is a, a classic centre-forward. But we don't have a classic centre forward, and you know I still think that doing what we're doing is the best way of using the personnel that we have at the moment. But it would be nice one day before the end of the season to have at least one person in the team who is a centre forward, who is a goal scorer, in the same way that they have Kane and Son and Llorente and these type of people. And all we have if we want to change anything, is Bakri Sacco, who's a left winger, trying his best to work hard as a centre forward. Well, you seem excuse me, quite frustrated. There's one tackle in the second half, you put in more pressure on, and the referee blew up for a free kick for an injury on Son in the penalty area. Was that the correct decision? I don't know. You know, the fact is, I'd much rather come here and talk about football. You know, it's a trend now, isn't it? You know, basically, all 
interviews, not so much with you guys, but certainly interviews with the with the televised media. It's all about a referee in the season. You know, I've been in the game quite a long time as a coach, and I've had lots and lots of games, and <laughs> referees make lots of decisions, and they get some right, they get some wrong. You know, we didn't... Our defeat here today didn't hinge at all on the referee. You know, we, we were able to play and work and do our job, and the referee did his as far as I'm concerned. I'm pretty certain if you looked through the game and, and, and analysed it uh, to the nth degree, you'll find one or two errors he's made. But then if you analyse the team's performance, both ours and Spurs, and you analyse that to the nth degree, you'll see plenty of errors that the players are making too. So that didn't interest me. Did I get frustrated from time to time? Yes, of course. Not so much with the referee, but with some of the things that happen in the game with your own team, you know, things that we're working on that you haven't seen and thought you should have seen in the actual game itself. But that's just part of football. That's part of being a football coach. That, that will never change. Um, no one gets the perfect game. Um, globally, I thought there's not a lot I can accuse my players of or accuse that the fans were behind us all the way. They made more noise than a damn side more Tottenham Hotspur fans here today. Um, but I'm still here talking to you and I'm the loser and I should be leaving Wembley as a loser, which didn't happen to me too often in the four years I was coming here on a regular basis. Towards the end, you were making lots of gestures to your players to keep their heads up. Yeah. How fragile is confidence when you play that well and don't get what you deserve? Yes, it's fragile, of course it is. Um, and I thought that they did extremely well in that respect. Because when the first goal went in and we were goal to kneel down, you know that could be a time if the players didn't have the desire that I think they're showing, that's when you could collapse and you end up losing three or four because they've got the players who can punish you. Uh, if you start to lose your shape, if you start to lose your discipline, if you don't do what you've been doing up to the goal, after the goal. So I was very pleased that we were able to do that. And I think that's a, that's a, a positive, if you like. Um, but there you go. We'll, we'll get on with it. We'll, we've got a couple of weeks now. It's a... We've got a few players away, but not as many as some teams, so we can still do quite a lot of work on our team and our team shape, and that's all we can do, keep working at it, keep going and trying to ensure that the players do keep believing, because in actual fact, as I get the impression, listening to the questions I'm getting from you, that you felt that the team did okay, you felt the team had a chance, you felt that we were a little bit unlucky, They've got to start keep believing that as well. And that's something that's got to come from within them. Because results do give confidence, but they don't give confidence necessarily if you're getting the results knowing you've been lucky all the time. And you can keep confidence knowing that in actual fact we're doing better than the result shows. So that's what I'm hoping will happen.
back to the 5 Plan podcast extra here at Wembley Stadium where Palace have lost 1-0 to Tottenham Hotspur. This podcast is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography of professional, unique photography and more. Visit mirandajanephotography.co.uk. So that was Roy there after the game, Rob. Um, sort of saying the same thing he sort of says most weeks. Um, seems to be the same sort of questions. But he did say one thing really briefly about the fans, mm-hmm. the Palace fans, who again were brilliant today, obviously packed out of that away corner, sang throughout the game. But he said that they outsung the Spurs fans. Yeah. Uh, that's quite a bold thing for a manager to say at, at an away ground, essentially. And, and he, was, he was right. Yeah, I think he was right. I mean, the Palace fans early on were saying, is this the Emirates, weren't they? So, you know, the, it was quiet. It was quite strange, really. After the, the high of Wednesday night, you kind of thought that Tottenham fans would be... Yes, all right, it, you could argue, there's no disrespect to Palace, but it's only Palace. You know, after beating Real Madrid, mm. there is always going to be that slight sense of, you know, can they get up for this one? And... I think that probably showed in the performance. It wasn't a great Spurs performance, but they just about did enough in the end. And, you know, I think the fans, it wasn't a full Wembley today. There were quite a few empty seats around. Perhaps some of the fans, you know, weren't as up for it as they might have been on Wednesday night. Well, yeah. it's a Sunday. It's an early kickoff. It's a Sunday. You know, it might have been yeah. out on a Saturday night. Like, it's yeah, not an fireworks ideal... Fireworks last night, I don't Exactly. Know. It's not an ideal time for a football match, is it? No. Um, it's not. But, you know, the Palace fans seem to be up for it wherever it is whatever time of the day don't they it, we keep saying it every, every, I think every podcast I've been on with you we've, we've always praised the fans and they deserve it you know they are loud despite the position that they're in you know they're, they're still supporting the team they keep backing them and they're sort of unwavering in that so fair play to the Palace fans you know Roy is recognising it and I think it's, it's a good PR thing from his point of view isn't it to keep the fans on side yeah. and you know he's not wrong in what he said I think for large periods today they did out sing the Tottenham fans do you agree with that, Alistair, from a, from a Spurs point of view? Yeah, I thought the Palace fans were superb. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Um, I suppose from a Spurs perspective, you know, you could say it was 65,000 here today, which is still pretty decent yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for a noon kickoff as well. And I think, yeah, without trying to be disrespectful, but as kind of Rob said, it's, it's a match sandwich between a Real Madrid home game and a North London derby away, you know, and... Uh, yeah, whether the enthusiasm levels were there, I don't know. Uh, Spurs fans were very quiet. Having been here on Wednesday night against Madrid, when it just didn't stop, the noise was just yeah. constant. Um, yeah, no, they got completely outsung by the Palace fans, who was superb. Are Tottenham starting to? Is this starting to feel like home to Tottenham now, to, to the fans and to the team? I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's it's now been long enough. Obviously, playing European games here last season. Now they've won in every single competition they've played here. Um, yeah, I think so. It's just a funny little things, isn't it? It's like for the players, it's the dressing room, things like that, the tunnel, the walk-in, the routine before the match. And for the fans, yeah, it's kind of getting used to where you sit. It's not, it's not White Hart Lane. It obviously clearly isn't White Hart Lane. But um, now they're getting used to it. And it's, I suppose also with fans, as you know, it's kind of about pockets of chance and where they come from and who chants to who and stuff like that. And they're trying to find their place. No, I definitely feel it's home, but yeah, maybe today not so much. <laughs> and but speaking of Palace at Wembley, I mean, our record... All right, we lost the cup final, which we won't talk about, and we lost today. But our performances at Wembley are quite good. Like Palace, the fans and the players, they do seem to manage to bring the best out of them sometimes when they come here. Yeah, they do. I think you know, it's not just Wembley, is it? Palace seem to be bringing their their best performances against some of the, you know, the the top clubs or London clubs. You, you could argue, you know, there's three London yeah. derbies in recent weeks, and every one has been a strong Palace performance. Yeah. You know, in parts, maybe not 90 minutes against West Ham, but certainly for you know, at least a half. I think Palace, have, I don't know if it is, they've got the ability of raising their game against you know, the top sides. 
they enjoy the big stage you know i mean there's no bigger in in this country than wembley yeah. you know and and they've had a yeah a reasonable record in recent times you know obviously they've had good memories from the playoff final fa cup semi final all right we won't talk about the final <laughs> but there are some good memories you know for, for palace fans that come into this ground so yeah it's a, it's the sort of thing where it's a one off isn't it you don't get for me it felt strange coming to Wembley for a Premier League game today. Yeah. I'm sure for Alistair now, who's done it a few times, it's not so strange. But that must be a little bit odd for even for the players. You know, I mean, James Tompkins said that this week. He said it's going to be a weird feeling playing on this stage in the Premier League. But they didn't. They didn't look overall. They didn't make it look like it got to them. No, they didn't. And I didn't expect them to. In fairness, you know, I, I think Roy Hodgson would have made sure that they were aware this is another game. You know, it doesn't matter where you're playing. This is another game. Another game we can try and get points from. And they almost did. Yeah. And uh, the question is, though, uh, taking that performance and into the next five or six weeks, where, I mean, in a way, the next six weeks they almost define the season, really, because they have to play like that against the Evertons and the Bournemouths and Stokes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at the the run to Christmas, and if Palace don't get at least three or four wins, probably between now and the new year, they're going to be in real, real trouble. You know, they've they've got to. Yeah, you're right. Turn these performances into points. It's all well and good saying, yeah, we've you know we played reasonably well against, you know, we played very well against Chelsea, played reasonably well against West Ham, played well against Spurs, played well against Newcastle, and haven't got anything. Yeah. You know, at this point now, they're eleven games in, they've got four points. If if they are still on, if they don't get to double figures by Christmas, I'm sorry, they're really in trouble. Yeah, they they've got to get wins, particularly with playing teams that are in and around, you know, around them in the bottom half in the next few weeks: Everton, Stoke, Brighton, Leicester. Watford, Bournemouth, you know, those sort of games coming up, they've got to get points from those. Even even if it's, you know, point on the road and wins at home. Yeah. I know it's not been a fortress in recent years, Sellers Park, but you do get the sense now with Roy that home form is going to be a key thing for him, yeah. you know, and, and he's, he's making them hard to beat. They might nick a 1-0 here and there. You know, if it's an ugly 1-0, who cares? Yeah. Well, Roy said that afterwards. He said, I'd rather play badly and get a bit of luck here and there and, and get a result. From a Spurs point of view, Alistair, did you see enough from Palace that make you think that, that they can stay up this season, given the fact that we do only have four points after 11 games and we had that, that terrible start? But did you see enough from them today? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see other teams and they're not playing for their manager. Certainly another team across London. Uh, yeah, that was <laughs> it last night. Um, no, and you can see it there. It's, it, Hodgson's such an experienced manager. You know, he got lambasted didn't he for his England time and stuff but people maybe forget what he'd done before you know this is a guy that's managed around the world managing to Milan um, he will use every trick in his playbook essentially to uh, to get the best out of this team and it just keeps coming back to the strikers that's the that's the issue it's goals you know you can you can keep the other team out but if you're not going to get the goals then you're not going to get those points you need to stay up Absolutely. Okay, good stuff. Well, listen, Alistair, thanks for joining us on the pod. Thank you for having me. Top man. Rob, thanks for coming on again. No problem. Always good to see you. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. The full pod will be with you potentially tomorrow, but definitely at some point uh, during the week. So look out for that. But in the meantime, keep checking out FYP on all the usual social platforms and all that jazz. And keep the faith. This next few six weeks are big, but hopefully Palace can turn it around. Thanks for listening. Bye. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. 
an agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Sports Social Podcast Network.